Blog Talk Radio. John Jordan is weeping in a corner in Tampa silently. I will. Uh, I'll join the show. I'll join the show soon. Uh, excellent, excellent. And uh, you know, it's uh, you know, it, there's a profound disappointment. Uh, there certainly was a lot of melodrama um, on on Twitter and other places. Uh, with, uh, you know, I, I definitely think that uh, round two was a severe disappointment for everybody. And, uh, you know, in the in the playoffs, um, those shortcomings become magnified. Here you have a short series, and if something's not working, you're seeing, you know, basically it's, it's clear for all to see. And in round two, the, uh, you know, the uh, resiliency and the and the items that uh, we saw in the first uh, round uh, ended, um, and it was a it was a, a tough thing to to swallow, because Tampa obviously had their own injury issues, much worse than the Islanders did. Um, then again, with the, with this this team also uh, dispatched Detroit, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how they do against uh, either the Penguins or. Uh, the Capitals. So, um, you know, I, I definitely think that there is disappointment there. I don't think it's uh, ridiculous melodrama. I, I read everything from John, JT is going to want out, which is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> and, and just, just the worst kind of melodrama. The problem is, is when, when people have their pet peeves and their items and and everybody's got their issues, you know, if, if um, you'll use this to drive that. And that's kind of going to lose sight of uh, there was accomplishment. You can't deny that whether, you know, this, this, it was definitely an up and down season. Nobody's saying that this season was uh, a great season, but it was 100 points. You know, result number one. They made the playoffs, result number two. They got past the first round, result number three. Those are three results um, where current staff, current players, current GM, current owner, and all that other stuff, and those things cannot be denied. Those are results. Now, does it need work? (laughs) Certainly, and we'll go into that later on. Um, but, uh, I think that you need to step back and kind of, you know, yes, everybody should be disappointed round two, um, was not a cakewalk. The, um, it seemed to me that the, the Islanders had v- much difficulty containing the Tampa forwards, uh, especially Kucherov. Um, Victor Hedman was by far, uh, the best player. So he not only shut down JT handily, um, he he scored some goals. They didn't have an answer. And uh, Ben Bishop by far was the better goaltender. And when you have those items, that that is what dictates a short series. You know, we talked about it early on before that even we went into the playoffs that in a short series, 
it's really your best players versus their best players, your goalie versus their goalie. And you hope that the rest of the team is not a detriment. The problem with the Islanders that I saw was that when, when JT was shut down, no one was really able to step up, you know, and, and that's, uh, and that's what really kind of killed them. There was nobody hot or on fire. Different people had different nights, you know, Shane, Shane Prince had a a good one, good night. You, You had a couple of good, good showings from here and there, but you didn't have somebody who could really kind of take over. And that definitely shows, you know, a shortcoming. And it brings up uh, an issue that's been there for a couple years. That, and this includes Caloposo, that um, even though he had some good uh, situations and um, um, had some good shots and generation and was able to get a goal in the next game, uh, once JT was shut down, basically KO was shut down. Nobody really was able to step up and, and, and take the flag. And, and that shows, you know, that where they need to provide more. Um, you know, I, I saw today, you know, um, um, you know, somebody was saying that, uh, you know, JT can't make uh, lemons, out of, uh, lemons into lemonade. But I had cited to, to uh, the Daily News writer, uh, Peter Bach, uh, that, you know, with those same players, JT was uh, almost won the scoring title last year. So, they're, they're, yes, they definitely need help. But there's, there's a myriad of issues that they're going to need to sort out. And, and what we can say is this team, with their issues, are able to achieve a certain level. And that level is a, being a playoff team, being a 100-point team, and able to dispatch, you know, uh, somebody who's, you know, new, a newbie like Florida. They were able to do that. So I think that we can stand on that, but we should expect more. And I don't think that the, 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 the need to blame someone for what is a series of, of accomplishments despite that there, we've all seen these shortcomings, you know, that you should consider the season at least a success in that respect. Now, will they fix those items? That's the big question. So, you know, we'll, we'll discuss tonight. And if John is uh, uh, done tearing up, weeping, wiping his tears on his Tampa lightning towels and whatnot hey 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 i don't (laughs) want you to uh insinuate that uh, anybody in this house jumps ship uh or anything like that yes we have acquired some crap uh over the years from attending games and when i cover the team and things of that nature but most of that stuff is used to clean up dog shit in the backyard uh, maybe, maybe, maybe on a good day, wipe down the cars or something like that. Uh, and sometimes I'll toss them in the dog's, uh, the dog's crate when, uh, she has to stay in there for a bit when we're not, when we're not around, but I'm okay. Uh, listen, uh, of course there was disappointment. Of course, everybody wanted to see the Islanders move on and have a run similar to 1993 and all that good stuff. Uh, so I get the... Uh, reaction, the initial reaction. My initial reaction was extreme disappointment, but it was very tempered because once they got down three to one, I, I mean, we said what we thought might happen if they got down three to one, and sure enough, that is exactly what happened. But uh, it, here's my thing regarding Game Five. I, uh, I had to DVR the game. I've never done that before uh, for a playoff game. I was out of town for Mother's Day, and we weren't returning in time to catch the game at the beginning of the game. Uh, we weren't going to stay late enough to watch the whole game in its entirety there. So I shut the phone off. I DVR'd it ahead of time, came back. And my observations within the first five minutes were that I was going to get through this game pretty quickly because I knew they didn't have it. And, um, you know, I think that there were a lot of people who probably watched it live and wished that they could have zipped through it pretty quickly because they, all, they too knew that they didn't have it. Uh, I think that that game was lost or that series was lost in the two home losses in overtime. 
I think that began with the breakdown in the final minute of game three that we spoke about at length last week. Uh, I think that has a lot to do with coaching adjustments that weren't made, which we already touched on. I think we can speak to that on a larger, from a larger perspective, a wider perspective later on in the show, perhaps. But I think the, the, the disappointment comes from two things. Number one, um, the Islanders are a pretty good team, but they wouldn't have been considered a Cinderella by any means by the, you know, pure definition, the classic definition of that, that people latch onto in um, uh, sports over the years. Uh, but I think people were, were looking for that sort of thing. Islander fans were looking for that sort of thing, wanting to be that team. If they get to the next round, who knows? What can they do against Pittsburgh? What could they do against Washington? We'll, we would have just had to wait and see. Uh, but I think the, the the bigger factor where the disappointment comes from is when we set, thing, we set the scene for the playoffs, we realized that in the Eastern Conference, the Islanders found themselves on the weaker side of the bracket. And it, we kept saying if they could get by Florida, I think that they could have they, 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 we were saying that, that we thought they had a real good chance against either Tampa or Detroit. Uh, this past series ended in five games, sure, but it could have very easily been coming back to Tampa 3-1 to one in the Islanders' favor. People tend to forget that very quickly. Uh, I think that, you know, they have a lot of learning to do from this particular series and this entire playoff run, as short as it ended up being. Uh, I think that they need look no further than their opponents from across the ice in the last series as a great example of a team that learned a lot from the previous season, the previous playoff experience. Um, you know, we said at the, at the beginning of this show, when we were still in, in the summertime in the off season, that this year would be, would have to go down as being considered a success. If they once again, topped a hundred points, if they once again qualified for the playoffs, and if, and only if, they made it out of the first round. They accomplished all of those things through a lot of um, adversity. Uh, does that, at the end of the day, satisfy everyone? No. Of course, right now, the wounds are still too fresh. Um, no one's thrilled with the way things, that things turned out. But it, you have to remember where we started here, folks. We said it from the start. We have to keep that barometer where it was then, because it didn't change much throughout the course of the season ups and downs and whatever the case may be, the team didn't change very much throughout the course of the season. So when we said 100 points, playoffs, win around, then it's a success, listen, we set that tone, right? So we have to stay true to ourselves and what we said. Most of you agree with us as far as that went. Very few people looked at this team, if any, as a Stanley Cup contender. And if you did, then I would have told you that you're probably a little nuts at worst and uh, oddly optimistic at best. Uh, now, Again, moving forward, what's the big takeaway here? The players, more than anything, the core of these players that remain, and we know there's going to be some significant change this offseason, maybe a little bit less than we thought coming into today or yesterday, but there'll still be some significant change afoot. But the players, moving forward, have got to take a lot from this series and apply it to next season, especially when it comes to the playoffs. What I saw in Tampa Bay was a team that was resilient beyond any other intangible factor, um, getting past injuries, getting past uh, trailing in, in games, getting past a, a one nothing series deficit after the Islanders win in game one. I saw a team that knew uh, what it took to take advantage of an opponent that wasn't quite sure what it took to close out a game. And then I saw a team when it came down to game five that took an early lead and knew exactly how to clamp down uh, on its opponent and uh, uh, close the door, wrap things up, uh, not let them back into the game, finish what they started, develop that killer instinct, if you will. There's a thousand ways to describe it. I think that's the trademark of a successful organization long-term. And I think that's the trademark of a team that's learned a lot from their recent playoff success I think it's a team that the Islanders in a lot of ways can model themselves after. And after that rant, I'm going to take a couple of deep breaths and a sip of my cocktail, and I'm going to let you do what you do. Do what I do. Well, yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, Tampa showed um, it was a prime example of how experience and I, I would say solid playoff coaching this year. And 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 uh, we they we've seen them make mistakes in the past, 
um, get over those and make the right adjustments, the right thing, do the right things, even short, uh, short players with, uh, you know, other players plugged in and still able to take out the aisles. And, uh, you know, Ed, and maybe, you know, I don't think Thomas Grice was as good as he was in versus Florida. I don't think the, the Islanders, uh, yeah, well, it, it was a different matchup. Um, you know, Florida had uh, not as, some of them were fast, but not, they're kind of bigger forwards. And Tampa seemed to have the, the speedy, smaller forwards and didn't really have an answer for them. And, uh, you know, and, and just, uh, you know, basically in the end, uh, yeah, it was definitely, I agree with you. We all knew what was going to happen in game five, to, no matter what they said after the, the uh, those interviews saying, you know, we're capable and then we're this, we're that. We knew, we knew better. But they're not. And the, the thing is, you have to acquire that kind of experience and disappointment and, um, you know, fall short to learn something. And, you know, going seven games against uh, the Capitals is not enough last year. They have other things to learn. There's different situations. This is a, a very much an up-and-down season. There's definitely the... I, 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 I still feel that Nick Letty and Johnny Boychuk from last year is not the same players as this year. Especially Boychuk. Uh, yeah, I thought he was not very good in the playoffs. And, yes, I don't think DeHaan was great, but I also think that his um, – one of the things that happens, and I've seen it happen when anybody's paired with Brian Strait, is when you have a bad pairing or somebody who's not good in the pairing – it makes both of them look bad. This is what happened actually if uh, when I was talking earlier this season about Dougie Hamilton over in Calgary, uh, when uh, the Calgary seemed down on Dougie Hamilton because he was paired with somebody who was terrible and was playing badly. Um, and uh, the, the fact is that I thought that DeHaan looked even worse because of that. Um, I, I definitely, I don't know if Boychuk was injured or it was just a terrible year. Um, you know, he's, uh, you know, you hope that uh, you can put it together and put another, a better year together next year. But, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, I've seen some reactionary items. I was joking online about dealing Boychuk. Um, but I thought it was a very disappointing season from him, especially from last year. And that, that really hurt the Islanders for this season. You know, one of the key things that I saw when we saw the Islanders last year rise, uh, something they haven't been able to do and play and play a tremendous possession game and, and, and accrue win after win and take everybody out, that was when Letty and Boychuk were both playing what uh, I felt was an all-star level. They were feeding the puck to the forwards. They were doing lots of things to keep puck possession. And that, that didn't happen this year. And uh, though Nick Letty has been hit or miss, and and, and, and certainly not bad, um, I don't think either of them played that level this year. So it's been uh, there's definitely been. So we can uh, and and we can. It's another item that we can say that there was a little bit of. Was it a little bit of regression on these players? I don't think so because these were contract. They were playing for a new contract. They were on a new team. And they ended up getting new contracts. So they were really playing for their new deals. Um, and the fact is, especially in, in, with Boychuk, that in a, in a deal year, usually they play better. So we'll, we'll see what next year brings. But there was definitely uh, some outages and some, some a little bit of a downswing uh, from both of them. And that affects uh, other items. And yes, we, we, we've seen the, we've talked about many times, uh, Strom, Ryan Strom, once after he played 100 games, seemed to really plunge. And, uh, and, and that needs to be sorted out too. And, you know, when he was, came back up from the AHL, 
and was placed with Grabowski. He actually clicked and was getting back to his uh, half a point per game average that he had last year. And then Grabo got hurt. And then Strom seemed to be floating again. So I think that, you know, that's going to be something very interesting from, from, from the coaching staff and the organization. Because here's a guy who had 50 points in his first year. And, and by no means, uh, uh, you know, you can call it, you know, that he's going to drop off the face of the earth. But it, he had a terrible year. And they need to sort it out. Anders Lee had, you know, started to show at the end of the season some better play until he got hurt, but had a very off year, and and they had some trouble trying to replace his goals from last year. So, and and, uh, there were many things, and like I said, in the playoffs, things get magnified. So many people were calling out Brock Nelson, and I looked at the analytics for Brock Nelson, he was right in the middle of the pack of everybody else. And I feel that, like, you know, one is he's young. Two is that he still had 26 goals on the year. So moron saying that we should trade him is, is idiotic because what are you going to do to replace those goals? So if there's a, a drop-off in that playoffs, and, you know, there was a drop-off because most of the other item, most of the other players not named JT – we're just middle of the pack. That was the problem. Nobody stood out. You know, maybe a game, maybe, you know, a moment, a play. But other than that, consistently throughout the playoffs, not much. This was this was the JT and Grice show, and that's what got through round one. But in round two, that faltered. And, 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 and Tampa knew how to, you know, muffle it. And uh, Ben Bishop was the better goaltender. So, you know, there, there's, there's some items to take away from it, but I don't think it's, um, you know, I know that there's a bitter defeat, especially if you really dismissed Tampa, which was a mistake if you did, because they're a very different team than Florida. And they're, they're you know, they're, they've been in the finals just the year before, so they shouldn't have been dismissed. So I think that uh, we should all take away that, uh, you know, that playoff experience matters and getting through um, these rounds and having that experience under your belt was a big difference maker, especially when you're beset by injuries. I think that was Tampa's uh, a boon for Tampa, being able to lift that experience and, uh, you know, and, and, um, Victor Hedman had a fantastic series, and, and there's a reason that he's one of Tampa's best players. He's an elite player, and it doesn't mean that they sh- the Islanders should have taken Hedman over JT. I didn't quite understand those tweets. Um, the fact is that in this series, JT got muffled, and the Islanders didn't have any other offensive answers. Not enough. And in the games that they did go back and forth, their goaltender wasn't enough. So there were two things that really kind of bit them in the ass. And I think that, uh, you know, we have a lot of interesting items, but I think we should move to the to the good news. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, I think it's <laughs> I've got I've Look, got more. I've got more, though. You don't want to look you, back you on the. The, the, the depression era. I mean, this is uh, this is obviously a low point in Islander history, don't you think? <laughs> yes, yes. This is as bad as Mike Milmary. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know. Here's the thing. Look, the truth is, I I actually have learned a lot during this particular season myself, and I think it's because of getting involved again with you here uh, on this podcast and just you know trying to look at things from a little bit of a different perspective. Do I? suffer the same disappointments as far as, um, you know, from a fan's perspective? Absolutely. And my initial response is often that knee-jerk, throw-my-hat reaction. But because of having to prep to talk about this in a semi-professional manner on this show, and I say semi-intentionally for a variety of reasons, 
I, I have to think about things a little bit more deeply and I have to take a, a little bit of a breath and realize that, you know, things aren't always what they first appear. And that's where I'm thinking, you know, back to the beginning of the season and how we set expectations, what I thought were reasonable expectations and they achieved all of them. Does it hurt? Yes. Like I said, absolutely. Of course. But the truth of the matter is a team that like the Islanders as they're currently construction constructed doesn't go on and win the Stanley cup. So the disappointment was coming at some point. The that's from a fan's perspective and also from a player perspective, but from an organizational perspective, from coaching on down from management on down, um, those lessons to be learned from this particular experience only come from this particular experience. And I'm talking about, you know, how to handle things when you get a lead in a series, how to handle, especially on the road, how to handle things when you suffer the kind of uh, emotionally deflating loss that they did in game three, um, how to, you know, buck up as a team and face a 3-1 deficit and at least show up for the fifth game, things of that nature. Uh, how to look at a team across from you and see what they're doing that you weren't quite doing. I, th- I thought that Tampa looked uh, tremendously composed throughout the series, uh, no matter what the situation was, with, without exception, including game one when the Islanders were dominating and then that, you know, we talked about it last week, but that's the strategy behind the, the goalie poll by John Cooper, which some people will write off as a no brainer at that time. Uh, I don't think can, can be understated in terms of its value to the turnaround for that team. Yes. Again, we talked about this, but that, that they did go on and lose that game, but uh, it showed the Islanders what they were up against. And I think uh, you can't deny that it got in their head a little bit. Uh, I think that, it, uh, you know, it set the tone for the rest of the series. They came out in game two and they essentially dominated uh, large stretches of that game, especially as it wore on. Uh, and then we saw, you know, no matter what, going back to a hostile environment at the Barclays Center, um, Tampa didn't let, you know, trailing in either of those games get to them. And we know how they ended up. And then they came home and they took care of business. These are things that should be written down uh, for the Islanders as a manual uh, for playoff success moving forward. If you want to get into some positive news, we can go ahead and get into some positive news. Obviously, everyone, most people, I hope, have seen by now that Travis Hamanick has rescinded his trade request. I think for a lot of people, the term rescind or rescinded is entering their vocabulary for the first time. Guys, that means he doesn't want to be traded anymore. Um, that's, a, that's good news. And we can start using that to sort of look toward the future. What changes are still in store? I think before that news came out, we we were pretty sure that he was ha- going to have to be used to acquire some forward help. Maybe that help for John Tavares that everybody's always talking about. But, of course, if Travis Hamnick was going to be going out the window, you have to replace his minutes on the back end and his impact on the team. But there's still a lot of other moving parts here. If you're telling me that you've heard people talk about trading Brock Nelson and you talk about replacing the goals that would go if you if you moved that guy, 26 from this year I think is the number, don't forget that they're also likely losing uh, 21, as in Kyle Oposo, and possibly Franz Nielsen. So uh, I think that was uh, another silly comment by someone out there. I'm not sure who said that, but you said you saw it. Um, there's a lot of change afoot, so maybe we can spin this in a positive direction after all. And thank you for letting me vent just a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, it is good to see. Well, you know, there's a couple things answered now. One was what was very clear today from those players that are that might be leaving this summer as free agents and Travis Halmanick, uh, all want to remain an Islander. So all this bullshit that people have been spouting about Brooklyn, the commute, making every little thing into this big, you know, this big mountain instead of a, just a bump. Uh, those little drama queens and the, and the chicken littles and especially the press that's outside of Long Island. It made them look very silly because fact is that the team is very tight and everybody wants to remain on Long Island. So that, that becomes a, a big takeaway. You know, the other thing is, and there was a lot of rumors that of why Travis Hamannick wanted to, to move. And this is why uh, I tried not to get involved with those rumors because they ended up being wrong. It had to do with a family member and things being a little bit dire, and now it's kind of not as dire. And quite frankly, when somebody wants to go somewhere on a personal reason, it's none of your fucking business. So even if you are a fan, 
these are players. They have lives. They have families. And they have their reasons. And, and then that's the reality there. And that's great that Travis Hamannick, who had a that the team really had to depend on, um, as Boychuk kind of became the, the second pairing. Travis Hamannick had to be used in the first pairing. And, and let me tell you, he was not. I don't really know if he's a top two uh, defender. He he is now. He's a top pair. But um, I, I always felt that he was really meant to be the second pairing guy. So they really had to depend on that. And it, it and you know, and worked out. You know, the team was able to get as far as they did and uh, and be able to, to work with Letty and, and it was a big success. And though somebody like Hamannick could have gotten the forward, um, top three defenders are very, um, very coveted in the NHL, especially Hamannick's uh, wonderful contract. Well, that's even better because that wonderful contract now stays with us. That's a very economical uh, contract that helps us in the long term instead of wondering, you know, how to deal. It does not, it still leaves us a gap in offense. But if you look at the defense, and I listed it out today. Um, Pollock should be up next year. Pellock should be up next year. Mayfield could be unless he's traded over the offseason because, the, you know, the you have to use some of your pieces. Um, might be your depth guy. And then you have, you know, a pretty solid uh, defense with that of Hamannick, Letty, Boychuk, who you hope has a better season, DeHaan, and Hickey. Those are eight, and I really do think that the Islanders would like eight def- defenders because it look we've we've seen injuries happen. Um, they they would like uh, some of that depth. Those kids like Pellick, Pollock, and and maybe Mayfield as well. This could be you know finally uh, some depth with upside. Finally, you know, could Mayfield be, a, 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 you know, the Travis, you know, he's, his game is kind of like Travis Hamannick's. Could he, you know, develop into the same type of player? Not exactly the same player. Um, you know, Pollock is obviously how effective he was when they was used uh, with his shot and, uh, you know, his offensive skills. Those are needed. So the Islanders' defense is rather stacked right now, and that's a good thing. You know, if the offense is what needs work and they need to figure out what they're going to do with the goaltenders, at least that takes it out of the equation. And I think that should give them a little bit of peace of mind and go from there. You know, you have three kids with upsides coming up and and providing the depth instead of – Vets or unskilled players like straight um, or players far past their prime. Now you at least have uh, some some youth to to come up, and you have a very steady, deep defense, uh, and that's a pretty terrific thing. And also terrific to walk away from is look. I thought that the 1A and 1B use of Halak and Grice, even though Halak seemed to have some injury issues this season, was a boon for the Islanders. The kind of boon that I really hope that they can go with next year. High-powered, uh, two good goaltenders. Injuries happen. And it really look what happened with Halak. And Grice was able to, to really work in the pension. He was a, a big difference maker in the first round. So there, there's a lot to be said there. And uh, I, I'm not so convinced on uh, anointing Barube on the, his limited use of, you know, or uh, running with three goaltenders. And I do think that uh, they have some thoughts and things that they need to think about and what to do. But I liked uh, them running with Halak and Grice, and that's my preference of how they run next year. Let them, yeah. you know, let them uh, work it out. I, I would agree with that. One of the things I had to bring up is, 
you know, what, what to do with Halak. Um, you know, uh, I, I think people see some potential in Barubi, but uh, small sample size, uh, you know, I don't think anybody's ready to turn it over to him. I guess maybe it depends on, you know, what, what can Halak bring on the trade market? My gut would tell me not a whole lot, and that's no offense to him, but, you know, uh, I can't remember, correct me if something pops into your head, but I can't remember a very impactful trade involving a goaltender in recent years. Um, it's just, you know, maybe there's a package deal or something like that, but now, we're, you know, we start to, to dip our toe into that water and we're speculating yeah. far more than anybody needs to. But, uh, you know, beyond that, I mean, wh- wh- what are we to expect? You know, we've got the, the tale of Oposo and Nielsen and Martin. Uh, and, you know, what, what trades might be made, what rookies might come up. Again, is, it, is, the, is the primo target someone to pair uh, permanently on the John Tavares line so people can stop asking that question? Um, you know, where do they go from here? And... You know, the 900-pound elephant in my room is always, are we just, are we resigned to our fate that Jack Capuano certainly earned himself another year behind the bench? I think the answer to that is unequivocally yes. Yeah, and I I do think, as far as I'm hearing, that the staff won't be changed either. I, You know, you never know, um, you know, uh, just as we're surprised that Travis Hamanick rescinded uh, because things, the situation changed. Um, I do think um, the organization has some things to, to work out with coaching that I've went into, I dipped into in terms of uh, serving youth more and analytics over um, what I felt was a, a crutch that hurt them of constantly using unskilled vets or lack of skill. Um, I think that that habit needs to be broken. I do think that that's something that they'll have to, you know, kick the tires and kind of work out within them. But, you know, I, I don't see the staff, you know, we can, people were complaining about the PK and the power play during the playoffs, but the fact is they were actually not bad at all throughout the playoffs. If you took a step back um, during the season, the power play was middle of the road, but I also think that, we, we saw that because of so much player regression in terms of uh, who else was scoring. You know, Strom, not really. Uh, you know, the, the, I, I, I don't, I, you can connect that. The PK by uh, Cronin was fabulous, and uh, I think that obviously won't change. But I do think that the staff probably stays the same, and Jack does stay as coach. There was definitely a little bit of churn this year. Uh, from some players and feeling that they were too hard and maybe that we were seeing that in terms of seeing Ryan Strom sit during the during the playoffs. Um, that's something else that they'll have to sort out. That is, uh, you know, something that they're going to have to figure out and, and solve. They have a well, lot you know, of work. You, 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 know what, you know what you have to hope for there, even if you're somebody like me that's never been a big fan of the coach? it's the same thing as it is with the overall team is that you hope that there's some serious learnings that take place from what they just experienced. Right. Like for instance, not playing a a far more skilled player in Ryan Strom than a guy like Steve Bernier who made absolutely no impact on any of the games he played in whatsoever. Um, it's or again the 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 major gaffe of the playoffs for the Islanders was that, in my opinion, the first line trying to defend that lead with a minute to go in Game Three, uh, things like that, you know, especially with a timeout in your pocket, like I've talked about ad nauseum. Um, so you hope, hope, hope that if he's to stick around, that there's some some serious education that just took place because if not. And we go into next season, and you and you and you start to see, or you start to you, you find yourself still rooting for that coach to be replaced. That means that you're basically hoping for a poor start, because I think that's what it would take next season uh, is a bad, real bad start out of the gate, or a long lull uh, of losses, which we talked about possibly being something that could spark a coaching change this season, even. 
Um, but but you don't want the team that you pull for to have to go through that, right? You think, uh, you know, at some point, again, getting out of the first round earns earns him that respect, and um, you know, it appears as though it'll be enough to have him stick around to to, to begin the next season. So, uh, you know, taking a step backwards is you know not not okay now. So now the next step has to take place. So that means, you know. Do they? Does it mean getting past the second round next year? Uh, nothing short of that. I don't know. I think that uh, you know, at some point in a coach's tenure, management always has to identify whether or not they think a team has gone as far as they're going to go under a certain guy. We've talked about that before as well. Um, but you know, it's a sticky situation because it's not as easy as as people wanted to make it out to be. Hey, he didn't do enough. Get rid of him. I'd be happy with that, but I could totally understand where the organization sees that he's done enough to stick around and get another shot at it. Again, in, a, in an offseason that appears to be uh, set to be full of change, I think there needs to be some stability, and this team certainly isn't, isn't in uh, uh, the situation where they need a, a full reboot, so to speak. So, um, you know, Cap will be back most likely, and uh, I think if you're truly an Islanders fan, you hope for nothing else other than the fact that he learned some things through this experience and that the whole team did as well. Yeah, I, I definitely think that um, there's definitely some takeaways, and we, we've talked about the the playoff game where you know basically uh, some coaching decisions really led to blowing that one. Um, and, and the fact is that happens, and we've brought up and uh, heard from uh, you know your friend Mike from uh, Tampa on how John Cooper had made some mistakes in the past. Yep. Yep. So, so the the fact is, this is what happens. Young young coaches and uh, and um, young players learning, and uh, hopefully have, have, have learned from their mistakes. Chances are they're going through those now. I mean, uh, the Islanders have a lot of work to do. The organization this summer and the coaching staff, and uh, how they go about uh, you know making changes that they do need to. Make. So I gotta uh, I gotta jump in and ask you a question on that note. As I, I sift through some articles yesterday and today, and I I think that you know that we all know that the the, the nature uh, the natural reaction of an Islanders fan is to be doom and gloom all the time, right? We were conditioned to do so for so many years. Yep. I think that infiltrates the local media sometimes. I don't have anything specific to cite just yet, but I I feel like much of what I read in the last two days has that vibe of. So much uncertainty moving into the summer and, you know, all these changes are in store and this is the end of an era with Charles Wong going out as primary owner and all that stuff. And yeah, great. But um, shouldn't a team that achieved a level of success it hasn't had in 23 years be, uh, shouldn't its fan base be at least slight, slightly optimistic or um, uh, excited about the fact that, Gonna, there is going to be a, 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 such change as there appears there will be because don't we always go into the off season, into the free agency period, time around the draft when trades start brewing and things like that, thinking, boy, I really hope they do something. And most of us that say that don't even know what that something is. Well, they don't have much of a choice other than to do a lot of something this off season. So uh, I think I think Garth know and, and and management knows that they have to get this right. They have they, they have a good nucleus that they have to fill some serious holes in moving forward so people should be excited there's 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 some some uh trepidation about the unknown but i i think that you can be optimistic that they're going to get you know some key pieces in place here wouldn't you say i would think so but you know look uh and, and i've noticed it especially from the new york post no matter what piece lately even if it's from their regular writer that they've really been uh, noticing whether it's the editors there or the way they're spinning it and almost inflation of the negatives deliberately. Uh, I've seen it. And, and there was some horrendous piece in the daily news uh, also uh, about the Islanders that was just ridiculous. So it doesn't help, you know, it, it just shows that, uh, you know, at least those pieces that we are hoping for has really come from Newsday, um, at least, and had some good, solid pieces besides the blogosphere. 
but the the ridiculous drama is is kind of silly, and the and what we've seen is basically um, things deliberately being inflated to be melodramatic, and that's what seems to be happening. Uh, that was my reaction from the hockey news piece, uh, you know, with ridiculous uh, musings of would JT stick around and. Just, just stuff that just clearly doesn't understand the the context of what the team really um, has, you know, banded around. And Brooklyn and that, is not that big of a deal. The commute is that, not a big deal. The Go whole ahead, JT, sorry. the whole the whole JT sticking around thing. That's not the first time that's been uttered either. I mean, I think any time there's no, any it's, sort it's of it's been uttered far too many times, and it's just it's basically just ignorant. Uh, you know, they call it spitballing or, or, you know, just trying to, it's just guesswork when you don't know enough about the team and the situation or have spoken to the players, you know, shouldn't today's statements be telling you that that's not the case. You know, um, it's just, you know, melodramatic and, and trying to, to make more out of nothing is, is more of, what I see, you know, look, the, the team does need to, to make some adjustments on offense. Um, you know, we, we can, we have some regressive pieces that need to be solved. Andrews Lee must have a better season next year. Ryan Strom must have a better season next year. Um, Brock Nelson, you know, if he can score 20, 25 goals, it's great. Um, I like to see him a little play a little bit better and be more of a difference maker uh, in the playoffs. Um, I don't think he was a, a, a regression piece. Josh Bailey had a very good year last year, though some don't seem to be in denial of it. Uh, had a terrible year this year. If he's still on the team after this summer, he has to bounce back. The, the, there's a lot of offensive pieces does the, you know, Franz Nielsen, I think is the best chance of, of, of the Islanders retaining a player. Uh, basically I think it's a 50, 50 shot. It really depends on um, his willingness uh, for a hometown discount. Or if he thinks that he can make more um, because I think that the team, you know, only has so much to give. Uh would, it would be fabulous if Kyle Oposo would stay at a, a, a lesser rate than what I believe is looking for elite money. And I think the market will, he'll reap that in the market. Somebody's going to pay him um, quite a bit. So, I, you know, I feel that that's the thinnest. Um, somebody said today that the fourth line losing Matt Martin is almost as important as, as losing some, you know, as the Islanders gaining somebody on the top line for JT. Come on. Absolutely and utterly ridiculous. Um, I like Matt Martin, but the problem is, is the hits are completely overrated. But they they play fabulously together, and that's great. But if you want to look at teams that overpaid for fourth liners, look no no further than over in Boston. And that's one of the reasons they had to trade off players because they couldn't sign them. They had so much money wrapped into fourth liners. They, they, they sunk themselves. There's a cap. You have to live within the cap era. And that economics requires you to be smart about it. And that means that fourth line pieces are expendable. And the fact is that when we, Clutterbuck is the only one that I think is of the most importance. And I, I do like Zizekas and I like Matt Martin, but I feel, and they bring other attributes besides the hits and the, you know, being feisty and in your face, they have other skill sets and that's what shows. But the thing about the Islanders is most of their players have those, the things that they look for in trades uh, whether the whether it was the Grabowski trade with Toronto, is to try to find players with a little bit of something else also with it. So they have a lot of different pieces that could come up. You've seen Quine come up. Um, you know, he could play on the fourth line. There, there's a lot of different options, and it's not just about hitting. Hitting is an overrated stat. It's more about being able to be productive, being able to shut down the other lines, 
And that's what works together. I feel that Clutterbuck is the most important piece because I think that he really is a third liner who's kind of raising up and working really well with the other players on that fourth line. So, and I, I think that you can find other pieces and other players to do that. So, and you, and it's very doable. It's not, you know, nobody should be paying Matt Martin, uh, you know, ridiculous amount of money. If he feels that he can make it in the market, somebody will pay for those hits. So, and, and let them. But I, I, I don't, you know, it's just don't be ridiculous about it. Um, it the, yeah. the fact is it's, it's not a make or break. You know, I, I think that the whole deal with Matt Martin is that he's a player that's really easy for people to like a lot. And mm-hmm. I think that people tend to overreact at the notion of players that they like a lot moving on and willingly ignoring any fiscal uh, or organizational responsibility in that situation. Matt Martin's going to make a lot of money this offseason. And he's probably going to make too much money for the Islanders to continue to move forward and do what they want to do. You're right. If they want to bring back any of those three forwards that we mentioned, it's got, I think the only one that has a chance is Franz Nielsen. Uh, and I would be surprised, very surprised, at either one of the other two returning. But look, that opens up a spot. You know, that opens up a roster spot uh, for either a similar player to fill that void on that fourth line uh, uh, or a, a player that's already there to fill that void on the fourth line. And it opens up a roster spot for another player that can come in and contribute to the offense that needs to be more consistent outside of 91. Um, so you got to sometimes let that sort of thing go. Um, I, I know that, you know, we only have a, a few minutes left and um, I wanted to, to jump into a few other things. And, and one would be, um, this is the end of the, the Charles Wong era in a lot of ways uh, and almost always. Um, I wonder if uh, we should kick around some possible expected changes uh, moving forward. I know we said that, you know, the coaching staff and management appears to be safe coming back for another year, but what do you think the new era brings? And will we see anything um, that'll, uh, you know, indicate that in, in what will be year one? I don't think so. I think what will happen is people will just, because they think the new owners will come in and, uh, you know, the Islanders will go make a, a, a needed move and offense. And then everybody will be like, Oh, it's because of the new owners and they'll be wrong. But you know, the fact is that they, that's their personal narrative and they'll use it to, to kind of convince themselves of it. You know, Garth Snow has much safer position than, than Jack Capuano. Um, and as far as I know, the new owners are completely on board to that long-term vision. So, and they've already been looped in and part of the decision-making process since last year. And Charles Wong retains 33.3% and is still a, a voice in that, in that room. So I wouldn't expect a whole lot of changes. Um, Ledecky obviously will become more of, uh, he will be the speaker and be the controlling interest of the of him and, and Malkin. And uh, maybe he's a little bit more verbal. You know, Charles has been very low-key. So maybe uh, Ledecky takes a little bit more of a vocal stance. I don't know. It's hard to tell. Um, anybody, and I've gone through this so many times, and I still see it in blogs, and I, it really boggles my mind. Because it's not just me that's been saying this, but author, also Newsday's Arthur Staple, that George McPhee is not waiting in the wings. His connection and working for the Islanders has nothing to do with Ledecky. Him and Garth Snow have been longtime friends. McPhee is his former agent. They are very close friends. That is the connection. And that McPhee is not waiting in the wings or right behind Garth Snow or anything of the sort. And like I said, I'm not the only person that said this, but it's been said too many times, and I still see it being blogged ignorantly. Um, it's just not true. Um, you know, he works for the Islanders because he wants to remain in the business, and Garth, 
is utilizing that. But I don't think that there's really a big connection between Ledecky and McPhee at all. It's really, you know, Garth and, and McPhee are close friends. And like I said, go, you know, if you don't believe me, go look it up from Arthur Staple. He has said the same exact thing. So, and, you know, I don't think that much else is going to really change. Once again, we're in the cap era. This team needs to be able to re-sign JT, and there's going to be a lot of big money involved down the line. They have to be very careful of where they commit their money to now. They made big acquisitions in getting Letty and, and Boychuk. And, uh, you know, and and they're going to be careful of where they commit their money. And this is why Kyle Poso is likely to go elsewhere, unless he's really going to turn around and make a, and take one hell of a hometown discount. Um, he wants elite money, and he's not an elite player, and the Islanders will not pay that unless you're an elite player. And I think that it'll be interesting to see if they can find some elite player that they can get somehow. You know, there's, there's certainly some chips that can be, uh, you know, like I said before, Mayfield is a, an interesting chip, especially um, when you've seen that Pelican and Pollock are uh, kind of filling in. Here's a, 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 could be a good piece. You also have Dal Cole, um, that, you know, I don't, I still don't understand the pieces and, and articles, whether it was from outside Long Island, from Canada, no less, saying, you know, maybe uh, Michael Dalcole will be used in the playoffs. And, and I'm like, no, that's not going to be used at all. That's a sign of a desperate team. Uh, but the fact is he's going to be at Bridgeport next year. Um, he still needs to, you know, come together physically and mature. And uh, that's the difference between him and Barzell, even though Barzell came later in the, in the following year. Barzell's kind of filled out physically and, and, and at a, a little bit of a higher level and seems much closer to play and make the team than Dal Cole. So maybe they could use Dal Cole to find a player now because Dal Cole is still considered a very good um, prospect. So there's lots of different pieces, and we've seen before um, – as I told you last year, to watch the draft carefully, well, you know, had Hamannick still been traded, you would have needed to stay aware at the draft. But now it's going to be very interesting. Now, you know, who knows? So it's going to be very interesting. But as we know, Garth Snow comes out of nowhere and, and makes things happen and, and utilizes assets to get and deal with other things just like he did with uh, Griffin Reinhardt and making it into Barzell and, uh, and being able to make a splash in the, in, the, in the NHL draft. So I don't think it's a very quiet summer. I think if you sit there expecting Stamkos or Miracles, you're going to be very disappointed. If you sit back and see what they might be able to do, um, you know, I don't know how much free agency will reap because it seems to be difficult for the Islanders to find people in the free agency. So it, I kind of feel that trades are going to be more necessary, but we'll see. But I think it's uh, 90, seconds. 90 seconds. How dare they? Well, we're down. We're down to it, folks. But I think it's going to be a very interesting summer. And uh, maybe in a week or two, a couple weeks, we'll uh, go back into it and review. But, uh, you know, I think that you should walk away with a little bit of optimism despite the, the round two disappointment. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm good now moving forward. I'm going uh, to enjoy some, some time away from the hectic nature uh, of an Islanders game, although we did have some, some good times uh, in that first round at least. I'm the type that deletes all that stuff that I may have taped right when it doesn't go my way after the fact, so... I'll uh, I'll call it the latest in the Andy Chavez plays of my life as we've started to uh, coin <laughs> these these up and down uh, highlights that that end up going for naught. But in any event, we're not sure quite yet exactly what the off season schedule brings as far as the show goes. But stay tuned; we will be back. Uh, it's been a pleasure as we wrap the uh, Islanders season portion of this first year of the show, at least. 
And uh, I just want to thank you for getting this thing started and for having me and thank everybody for watching and watching for listening. I hope you're not watching me. Uh, but then, uh, let's, let's keep our chins up. There's good things ahead. I hope, I think. And anyway, in the last five seconds here, I'm John Jordan. Thanks everybody. And I'm BD. Thanks for listening. And we're out. We'll see you in a couple weeks, folks. We'll have some more, but, uh, we need a little bit of a, a couple week break, but we'll have some more materials set up for the draft. Look at free agency and all that other fun stuff. So don't you worry. Keep listening, and thanks again. See ya. And, of course, the, the music can't play on the, <laughs> on the last episode. Of oh, the... Blog Talk Radio. Yes. What uh, happened to our, our ending music? Why don't you sing it? <laughs> yeah. Lack of faith disturbing. <laughs>